0: Episode 25 of Talk Supes and CEOs. We're chatting cybersecurity this time, co hosted with my friends from Teladvance and featuring an interview with Dominic Singer and Taylor Hursom, two cybersecurity experts. Hope you enjoy. <laughs> All right, welcome back to Talk soups and CEOs. Uh this is a little different episode, so I'm not gonna say much in terms of preamble because I've actually got an introduction segment that I did with Trisha and JJ from Teladvance, who are partners to IEI. Basically they're helping source two of the nation's leading cybersecurity experts for IEI members. Um one of our our unworkshops where you know instead of since we can't meet in person we're doing workshops uh, via this format called unworkshop where we're doing it remotely and asynchronously so i'm going to go ahead and get out of the way and let uh, let those two talk about some of the consulting work they're doing with districts and then we'll get into some of the things that uh, that districts are thinking about or should be thinking about around security during this this unprecedented time hope you enjoy the episode All right, Soup's episode 26. Can't believe we're on episode. Uh, we're doing an Unworkshop with, with, uh, with tel- we call it Unworkshop. We're basically doing a, uh, uh, a virtual asynchronous workshop on cybersecurity through our friends at Televance with, with Dominic and Taylor. I um, imagine you all have been very busy helping school districts quickly respond to the COVID pandemic and the technology needs. And maybe, Tricia, you can tell us a little bit about um, Tell us a little about you guys and what you do and how, how you, I know you help uh, organizations besides school districts, but, uh, you know, you work across industries, but you can talk a little about what you're doing with, with school districts. We'd love to hear about what's happening.
1: Sure. Well, first just touch on Teladvance. We're a technology consulting advisory firm that helps companies and school districts move towards a secure digital future by helping to identify, source, and manage the right technology solutions for your unique needs. Example of that would be like Zoom, which you guys have had to push for last minute to be able to do school from home. We are also at the heart of the digital ecosystem. In the lenses that we view each client engagement is always taking consideration the people, in your case, students, the processes prior to ever recommending best-of-breed technology. And um, as the pandemic, as everyone has known, it has dramatically accelerated digital transformation efforts creating new overnight adoption for school districts that are typically accustomed to rolling out technology like transformation slowly. And this is an example of digital transformation by necessity. And Teladvance is here to be a resource for school districts. For example, we have best of breed technology partners and subject matter experts that you're going to hear from today, Taylor and Dominique.
2: And then JJ,
0: tell me a little bit more about some of the, some of the stuff you're seeing on the front lines in districts
2: yeah absolutely uh, Doug appreciate it and uh, what Tricia said is absolutely true true we uh, tell advance is here we assist with technology related projects for school districts uh, whatever happens to be uh, you know a current priority or, or the district what they're working on we come in as a uh, advisory service and we help navigate uh, you know any project and, and bring in that best of breed technology. So it's it's really been, uh, with the current market conditions, uh, it's been nice to uh, be there as a resource and uh, no such thing as a project too small or, or large for us to assist with, um, you know, at Televance, we're here to help. So a lot of our districts are
0: talking about their top priority. Yeah, we, we, we're doing a, uh, another Unworkshop discussion, we're on workshop discussion, where we're talking about you know, if you, if you could just do whatever you needed to do with your district, regardless of any, um, you know, budget or, uh, or rules or policies, if you could just sort of do what's best for the kids, the top issue for all of them is definitely access to devices, access to connectivity, what kind of things, um, you know, and and there is supposed to be some funding, CARES Act funding is supposed to help us with this, but what, what kind of discussions are you guys having with districts right now?
1: I'll, I'll add, start, JJ, i let you add, obviously we are working with a lot to procure the hardware necessary for kids to be able to work um, and do schoolwork from home, whether that consists of the tablets, Wi-Fi devices, and then taking into consideration cybersecurity for purposes of this discussion to ensure that we can secure those environments and protect the children.
2: Absolutely. Um, you know, it, with uh, with the district, uh, we hear everything from uh, coming in on the connected devices, what, what's the new environment, uh, what's that new uh, school setting going to look like, uh, the interaction with parents and kids, and, and how to bring everyone together, uh, whether those technology products, and then having that safe, secure environment. Uh, there's a lot of different factors that go into that, and, and that's our job is to really hone in and, and try and simplify things and, and you know get that best of breed technology uh, to the districts
0: and you can reach across mm-hmm. the, the world, right? To, to access providers, to access, I mean, you're bringing us these two ex- experts here today, Dominic and, and Taylor, but um, you're able to, you know, if somebody needs a, a you know, left-handed monkey wrench, you can go find it, right? H- how are things looking with pricing in the marketplace too? Like what, as you're sourcing stuff, what are you, what are you seeing? Are you seeing anybody, are you seeing prices stay consistent? Are you see, seeing people try to make a buck during this pandemic?
1: Actually, what we're seeing is them doing a lot of promotion, COVID promotions, offering things like three months free to get in, simplified contracts, um, you know, month to month to really support the the environment that we're all living in today.
0: Yeah, I think you're seeing that on on the software and and hardware side. The biggest thing our districts are talking about is hotspots. If they can, because a hotspot. If if a, if there's no internet internet connectivity in a student's home, hotspot sort of doesn't care about the devices. It can get anything online, um, and but then there you know there's been a scarcity. Districts are struggling to find these things, and when they are, they're finding them at pretty high prices.
2: Yeah, Doug, we we've seen uh, just what you're talking about. There was uh, you know districts, uh, I guess, with the supply shortage and and in such a short rush to get the kids where there was access at home, where they might not have internet. Um, you know, hotspots was the the bandaid, if you will, on the situation. And and now, you know, with schools uh, looking to the new norm and the reality of getting back uh, in, into school, uh, what's that going to look like? And, um, you know, there's, like I was saying earlier, there's so many factors that go into that. Um, that's where uh, working with the televance where we're able to uh, bring in experts, um, you know, like Taylor and, and, and Dominic uh, to help uh, navigate that path. You know, that's, that's what we're here for.
1: And there's even solutions I'll add that kind of step outside of traditional tel- telecom or technology services we're speaking of today, but there's even services like the Sendry we have access to, which oh, yeah. helps with sh- school shooting, things of that nature. So think of us as obviously all things technology to protect children, to secure the school environment, and to help you know, optimize the, the the school environment for all teachers, staff, and children.
0: Great. So, uh, we we really appreciate you guys bringing this this group the uh, bringing Dominic and Taylor to our group, and helping facilitate this discussion about how to keep uh, kids safe during this time when devices when instruction and devices are all out of the physical control of the people who run the schools. That the, the sad thing about this, and the thing that I know our members are all struggling with, with trying to figure out how to solve is that for many kids, school is the safest place they go every day and um, not having them in the building is just, it's just, uh, it's heartbreaking in, in some cases, you know, there are other kids who are going home to really great safe homes and, you know, they're able to maybe learn, learn just as well as they did when they were in the school. But uh, that, that's the thing that's challenging about this. And I'm, I'm imagining you're going to get up, you're going to have a bunch of meetings with districts over the next two months where they're going to throw a whole bunch of challenges at you that are completely different within one district and uh, you know look forward to hearing how those discussions go and looking forward to the discussion with Dominic and Taylor here in the podcast and thanks for bringing us all together
1: thank you I wish everyone well
0: got it. thank you Doug thanks
1: for the time all right,
0: all right. greetings IEI family IEI superintendents We've got Dominic Singer who is the vice president of cybersecurity with Talaris and I've got Taylor Herson, who's the VP of cybersecurity um, at, sorry, your firm is cyber compass, cyber compass. Thank you. Okay. I wrote VP of cybersecurity at cybersecurity. So at cyber Don't worry. good. Thank you guys for being here. We've had some interesting chats. So our group is thinking through how to get back to school, how to get kids back on mm-hmm. campus next fall. Um, it's, it's a daunting thing cybersecurity is something you have, have, have gone deep uh, in your careers on this subject. Um, Let's, let's start with, you know, if you were, if, if you were to drop into a school district in America, you know, maybe we could, you can each respond to this. You were dropped into a school district in America. What would you want them to make sure they're doing right now to protect the students that they're serving and as well as protecting their, their data, their devices, their network?
3: Uh, Great question. So I think the very first thing I would be taking a look at is, you know, how are they protecting the workstations that the students are using? Uh, Do they have a strategy around, you know, the protection of those workstations? Are they providing those workstations to the students, whatever they are, whether they're tablets, whether they're laptops, whatever the case is. And then when those students are working at home or learning from home, I should say, how are they accessing the learning environment? And then when they access the learning environment, are they contained within that environment or are they allowed to go beyond that environment? So really what I'm getting at is what type of security do they have on that end device that the, the student is using? I think that's going to be one of the biggest concerns and things to think about as you're building together a strategy that I think Taylor will talk to you about what that looks like. But the whole idea here is that you start with the basics and then you work your way out. So you know, good security on that device, whether or not it's, it's administered or de- delivered by the school, and then security around how that device is connecting into the learning environment. So there's a lot of pieces and parts in there, but those would be some of the questions I'd be thinking about. How are we securing those devices? How are we securing the connectivity and access into our learning environment?
0: For kids using their own devices, Dominic, is there a way for the district to enforce security on those devices?
3: It's a little bit tough, right? That some tricky waters, we see it same with the corporate world where they're just trying to struggle with this idea of bring your own device. So in there, probably the first approach is securing a learning environment. So, you know, having more advanced protections around the learning environment, being able to detect when bad things may be coming in from that workstation that the home device if it happens to be compromised, you want to be able to contain the malware or whatever it is that's coming into that learning environment. So the answer, short answer, is being able to protect the learning environment first and then working your way out in those situations.
4: Okay,
0: great. Tyler, you wanna add on there?
4: Yeah, I don't think I, Dominic said it extremely well. I think the, the only thing I would add to this is that um, right now, I, I mean, our, our strategy is always the KISS principle, uh, keep it simple, superintendents. Um, so we wanna make sure that uh, superintendents and, and just the, the education field in, in general is focusing first and foremost on protecting their environment right now. Now, normally we would advise that you go and you have a formal cybersecurity strategy, essentially a roadmap that you follow. But in the near term, we kind of all got hit and blindsided by this new pandemic and, and therefore uh, education above all else is has the pivot exponentially. And, and so um, being able to just secure the, as Dominic said, securing the, the learning environment is pivotal. Now to add to that, I would say that, um, I think we can all agree that we have finally started to see um, the good in people. You've seen a lot of business professionals come out of the woodworks to be helping any way that they can. And that goes uh, towards your vendors as well. So um, if you're using zoom, for example, um, I encourage the superintendents to establish a strong relationship with their zoom representatives because they will do anything they can to help you to ensure you're protecting your students. And that's something that um, I think we can all, agree is, is probably the, the best way that you can ensure that you are uh, appropriately securing um, your yeah. environment as it relates to students.
0: So I want to ask about Zoom specifically in a second, but um, most my guess is that most technology, most district tech plans and roadmaps were written uh, with the understanding that most of the usage is going to be on site. Uh, some kids may be, you know, maybe secondary kids, high school kids would be accessing at home, but you know, a lot of it is, you know, there was certainly no plan for, mo- in most districts, for elementary kids to be doing a ton of stuff on their own, especially the little ones. So what do you think might be, now that most districts are starting to figure out plans for having some instruction happen offsite, even when we go back in the fall, just to keep social distancing, because there's a limited amount of physical space. So they've got to find ways to do to do instruction without having everybody in tight quarters. What What do you think might be the things that they might need to revise about their cybersecurity roadmaps now that more and more of the usage, anywhere from twenty to fifty percent, may be happening outside of school buildings, outside of the the internal network.
4: Yeah, go ahead, Taylor, if you uh, yeah,
3: see so you got some thoughts there.
4: Oh yes. Okay. So what I would think, I think this actually pertains to even more than education, but education uh, especially is you're you're essentially having to transform your whole security framework because now we are all going decentralized. We're all going remote, um, and unfortunately, that uh, in, that in, that incorporates different security implications, um, and so. Back to there's a there's a common term in the security field called zero trust, um, and that's something I'm a big fan of. But it's essentially just having uh, you're taking away the the um, security framework of the traditional organization that on premise, like you talked about, Doug, um, and you're you're creating an entirely new framework where you're establishing. Um, first and foremost, the incorporating identity and access management, understanding who exactly is accessing your resources, who's connecting to your applications, who's accessing your sensitive data, um, and, and taking all of these data points that we're collecting anyway to establish a trust score. Um, and that's something that I see school districts that are going to be adopting a lot of. I've actually had a few conversations just in the last two weeks um, about zero trust specifically in the higher education field. Um, and I just see us pivoting more than anything. I think access management above all else is going to be, become so imperative for school districts in the, in the 2020 uh, fall season. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I, I would take a, a little pivot off of that uh, and go with sort of what I kind
3: of see happening in the future is, is more important to think about. But uh, really quickly, what I think is, is awesome about being able to have JJ or Trisha on the call here is that they're able to really understand that every school district has you know different uh motions that they've put in place even before what we've got going on right now so they have different levels of maturity around security so they can bring in a whole different uh, set of suppliers that can be very agnostic and really come in and figure out where are you today where do you need to go but to answer you directly i think one of the things to to really consider is privacy and and this is kind of what taylor was talking about around access control so you know i talked earlier about you know the the device having protection and making sure that the connection coming into the environment is secure and clean, you know, from that home network or home user. Uh, what we need to think about is that uh, this looks like it might become a new normal where we'll have some some ways of students need to work from home and then some in the office or some in the in the schools. So, if that's the case, we probably need to be thinking about how are we going to check the students' health. And I know that may sound like a simple thing to do, but then you know now we're talking about you know, strict patient data uh, uh, considerations that need to be taken uh, in mind, right? So how are we going to protect that data? Who has access to that information? And how are we going to really understand what that means? Are we going to use IoT sensors? What, what's going to happen in there? So there's a lot to talk about around how we're going to bring these new students into our environment, uh, uh, the students into our environment in the new world, right? So I think there's a lot to think about there around just right. patient data, privacy, and information.
0: So in other words, districts will now be held to the same kind of i don't know anything about this but hipaa compliance and like the kind of stuff where where medical records the protection protocols around medical records districts exactly. will now be held to that
3: exactly I the, the 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 information. Information. yeah that
0: so that that's an that's an interesting set of questions that our members are going to want to ask back uh back in the district office about you know have we prepared for handling medical data on mass since that may be part of the plan that's a great one um you mentioned zoom taylor um I don't know why Zoom is the one that everyone knows about. I've used it for a few years. I don't know why everyone just Zoom, like Zoom is like Kleenex for video conferencing. (laughs) There are other options, just like there are other facial tissues. Um, Zoom also, as I understand it, has a lot of vulnerabilities to hacking and there have been lots of stories about, um, you know, Zoom meetings being hacked. And it's one thing if it's me and my college buddies or the five of us here, but, um, you know, when you're talking about children, I think any parent's, yeah, would would be livid if i know i would if if my kids thing uh session was hacked um by some bad guy but you know what 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 do districts need to be thinking about and i want to point out too some districts are so afraid of of video conferencing being hacked that they're ordering their teachers not to do it so do not do it and right. um yeah so so everything is being done asynchronously, like like yeah, the way we're doing this asynchronous on workshop, that's the way a lot of instructions being delivered. And some districts are going to go with that to maintain safety. Others are saying, no, we have to have that human interaction between the kid and teacher. So we're, we're requiring Zoom. Districts are all over the place on whether they should do video or not. So what can you share about video? What are the big picture questions and that they should be asking of their teams as they make a decision about whether to
4: require video or not? Fantastic question. Um, I'll I'll take a stab at this, Dominic, and then pass the mic to you. Um, I think that up until a week ago, we all kind of had to deal with um, these these implications regarding Zoom and, and frankly, a few of the uh, teleconferencing apps out there, um, in that there were security measures that were optional, but they were not enabled. And so you have all of these wonderful teachers that are just scrambling to um, get interactions with their students and, and stay engaged in this uh, pandemic. and. And they didn't. I mean, they're not going to know what security right. measures Zoom has or doesn't have, and therefore, there were a lot of uh, negative, um, I guess, incidents from ranging from obviously Zoom bombing, as we call it. There, you know, you, people, students seeing seeing things that they'll never be able to unsee, and information that was being passed along um, that shouldn't have been passed along, and, and people just essentially taking advantage of the Zoom vulnerability yep. beyond. Um, so, I think. Uh, Zoom has done a good job of addressing a lot of those, Um, so have the other vendors. A few vendors got off lucky because they were not in the limelight and therefore they were able to address those security vulnerabilities without getting a lot of the negative press. Um, Zoom has also made a lot of leaps and bounds into, uh, I I saw they made a purchase today for example of an encryption company so that they can further secure secure their Zoom connections specifically for things like the education industry. Um, But that being said, I think that it is very important to, um, at the very beginning, to figure out when uh, the interaction and the Zoom uh, conferencing makes sense and when it doesn't. I think everybody just assumed, well, we just need to jump on Zoom and always be on Zoom. always be doing teleconferencing with our students and i I don't think that that's the case i think that school districts need to be very strategic about where they are using these technologies and unfortunately you're kind of forced to be a lot more creative than the average business i would say um so um i think that engaging with your security team and if you don't have a security team reaching out to someone that you know i mean I know I can speak for Dominic and myself. We'd be happy to help and advise on some things you can do to protect your students. That's something we're definitely passionate about. But making sure that the few applications you're using are being used strategically and that you are very confident that they are secure before you start using them.
3: Yeah, but this is not very different than the problem in the business world. In the business world, the challenge has always been balancing usability and security. Right. So it's always been a trade off and a, always been a balancing act. And that takes good, keen insight. And to what Taylor's point was earlier, you, know, you have to have a program in place. And what we mean by a program is that we've got the right policies, the right processes and the right technology in place and the people that know how to administer that technology. So taking this a step further, if we assume Zoom or any sort of interactive platform is going to be used in the future, which i think is a fair assumption right that that a superintendents need to be thinking that, that is going to be part of the new way that they're going to teach students and more to the point uh, i don't think you know i've got a student at home i don't think that the idea of static learning is where it's going to be at right they're, they must have this ability to interact with this with their classmates so on and so forth so in that regard you know to taylor's point earlier you know having your internal security team or your technical team really understand the tools that they have deployed whether those are security tools knowing how to administer those properly and do the fine-tuning or whether those are conferencing and interactive tools knowing how to use those because you don't have to turn it off and just shut it off and that's the answer you know that there were companies back in the day that said you know what the internet's a bad thing we're just going to completely disconnect from it and that's you know that's not usable that's right. not practical. <laughs> right, right. So it's all about just being informed about the tools that you're using
0: Um, Something that's a little bit more basic, but that I think, you know, um, we should point out that there's probably most uh, businesses these days have some sort of, they've got rules and a plan around password protecting stuff. Mm. Um, And, you know, you can sort of tightly control that. You don't have as many sort of different systems maybe that people are going to. The nature of a school is that, you know, traditionally sort of, you know, teachers are able to do what they're going to do with their kids. There are some things that the district mandates or controls, but you know, teachers have in many places a wide range of 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 uh, you know space to do things to use their own curriculum tools, or whatever. That means that a lot of teachers freelance on on the systems that they access. A lot of teachers go in and they create their own accounts on stuff. They give out usernames and passwords to a whole class. Um, there's there's probably a, to try to coordinate all of that and put it into one single sign on application is probably a ton of work and may or may not be worth uh, the exercise. What, what are the things, what should districts be doing to tighten up, uh, you know, situations where kids are accessing stuff with teachers using random, you know, usernames and passwords? Like what are the most important things for them to seek to control and run through their, through their uh, single sign-on tool versus what are things that they can say, you know, there's, that's not a security risk to kids. We can leave it alone and let Mrs., McGillicuddy, you know, use the, the, you know, like literacy tool that she likes.
4: Taylor. oh, I was going to say, Taylor, I know you're a risk expert. So I, I kind of leave that one on you. Okay. So the, the term that we call it, Doug, is shadow IT. So unfortunately there are all these, whether, whether you're a, a school district or you are a, a fortune 500 company, there are always going to be employees that go out there and download the latest and greatest Um, cloud app and sign up for a million accounts and share their passwords and it's, it's a constant battle for us security professionals. So the number one thing I would say is just structuring your security environment so that it is very centralized in how that access is given out. You can actually set a lot of restrictions Um, And and I don't mean restrictions that are going to create workflow issues for the teacher, but rather restrictions in how these apps are downloaded, how the passwords are shared and the accounts are created. You can actually create administrative accounts at the IT level and manage those strictly and then have a formal process for teachers to go through in order to establish new technology. So you're not creating this... um, this culture where you're saying, we don't want new technology. Stop downloading them. You're just saying, come to the security professional so we can help you incorporate this and work together. So Um, let's
0: take, if I can, I'm going to throw a real world situation to you. Um, The district has lots of great licenses to, to content that kids can access, but there's a really great video. We're doing mammals in third grade. There's a really great video on leopards that is on National Geographic And the district doesn't have a license to National Geographic. So I go on and, and, oh, look at that, Nat Geo. They allow me to create a free teacher account. Enter your students' names into Nat Geo and you can grant them access at home. Or what they do is they go, here, kids, here's, they create a generic password, like the name of the school and the year. This is my account. Here's my email address, Mrs. McGillicuddy at whatever. Log in, go view the video. You know, talk to me about that scenario and what should district leaders be thinking about with that?
4: Well, I'd say that security professionals certainly don't want to block education on leopards. So we would uh, <laughs> definitely, I would, I would say that we would, uh, back to my, uh, original point, um, including the security or the it team is a way for you to come up with a creative solution. We know that education has limited resources, limited budget. Sometimes you don't even have a security professional in house. Um, and you have to leverage your it staff. Um, in these situations, we understand you have to get crafty, and I think that as part of that decision, I think it just needs to be made at the IT level rather than at the teacher level. If they determine that National Geographic, she can put in her name, she or he, as Jane Doe, and and, and create a an account with a, a junk email, and there's no sensitive information being provided, um, and it's simply linking to YouTube, for example, something very similar to mm-hmm. yeah. like that, and I don't see the issue in... in um, going that route and kind of getting crafty with how you share that with your students. Um, In other
0: words, there's a rule that says if it's not including this kind of personally identifiable information, then hands off, you're allowed to do it on your own. And then you can let the principal and assistant principal sort of work with their staffs to make sure that's implemented correctly.
4: Exactly. Yeah. There's, uh, so I, I always follow HIPAA for healthcare because it's got 18 different identifiers for what is considered private information. Um, it goes beyond just health information. Um, We've also got other regulations now that are directly related to privacy. So um, you'd be surprised at how little information a hacker needs to steal an identity or to maliciously take advantage of a a person's personal information. And unfortunately, students is some of the most valuable um, out there, which we can always do a talk about in the future as to why that is. But um, I, I think it's just important for teachers to understand that there are these hoops that you have to jump through so that you're not jeopardizing the future of your students.
1: Okay.
3: Yeah, and Doug, let me take just a minute to tag on that with just a little bit of a different angle, tying back together what I was saying earlier and also what Taylor's been talking about. You know, this problem of identity and access management is not an easy one to solve for, but there are many different ways to solve for it, and there's too many to get into it right here and now. But one simple thing to think about for our superintendents out there is – you know, they should be asking, do our teachers have administrative access on the workstations? Will our students have administrative access with the credential that they have? Because what we are seeing, whether it's educational organizations, whether it's the business environment, credential misuse, abuse, and stealing is the most common way that attackers are getting into environments. So being able to manage those credentials being able to manage the access those credentials have and then being able to monitor the usage of those credentials is highly, highly important. Much, probably one of the most important things I think that organizations should think about.
0: Okay, great. All right, last thing and then we'll let, let you guys go, but um, Paint, a, let's talk a little doomsday. Um, what, what are some of the, you know, I personally am very naive about cybersecurity and I just assume that that, you know, why would anybody want to hack into something with kids who wants to hurt kids? There are people out there who don't care about this stuff mm-hmm. and want to hurt kids. What what are the really, you know, without being graphic, what are the kinds of things that um, that our members should be thinking about as worst case scenarios if they don't really invest time to, to look into this this summer?
3: Well, Taylor, I'm sure you got some thoughts here, but I'm going to jump into it real quickly. Just uh, in a quick nutshell, you know, when I, again, I talked earlier about controlling access into the lear- learning environment if you, if you own the, the devices that the students are using, controlling that access, one of the things that we've seen, and this is obviously more at the high school level, but, you know, students are very crafty, and they are able to find their way around security controls. And one of the things that we have seen is that they use these things called DDoS, Distributed Denial of Service Attacks, when they aren't ready for, and we've just seen this happen commonly, uh, whether it's middle school, high school, believe it or not, middle schoolers are good at doing this, uh, they aren't ready for a test. And they can go easily find the ways to use these type of attacks. And then they can launch these attacks against the testing site and show a screenshot and say, look, teacher, I wasn't ready for my test. And the, the, I mean, <laughs> so pardon me. That's not what they're going to say because that's the truth. <laughs> right. uh, they, they, they're going to say, look, the testing site wasn't ready for me. Look, here's a screenshot to show that. Right. So right. the point is being able to control the access to where they go is really paramount. And there are ways to do that.
4: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And to add to that, I I just think, unfortunately, we are getting a lot of uh, a big spotlight on kind of what the implications of having a lack of security are for our our children um, now more than ever. So obviously everyone's seen the Zoom bombing, naked people showing themselves to underage students, um, showing very graphic uh, images and things like that. I mean, for a psychological factor is is obviously factored into that. But going beyond that, um, traditionally, what we have seen for for decades now is um, identity theft is a is a huge deal, and it's actually a huge deal for um, underage children because but it's it's predominantly been the family members that have been stealing family or friends that have stolen identity and taken advantage of it but we are actually at a tipping point now where that is no longer the case for the first time since identity theft has even been a talking point point. and the reason is because you now have students that can go out students and children in general that can go out and put more and more sensitive information on the web to get access to the latest farming simulator app or to the the latest mm-hmm. social media app And unfortunately, their identities are being stolen without them even knowing you can take like, it's insane the things you can do um, when your identity is stolen from buying cars to buying houses, taking out college loans. Um, It's just, it's terrifying. And it's a Debbie Downer, I know, but uh, Dominic and I see this every single day. And it's just, it's not fair for, I mean, it's one thing if you're an adult and you share your social security number and you should have known better, but, but kids don't understand this. And it's not fair to them that, that uh, we subject them to a life of, of turmoil um, because of we, we didn't take the time to, to pick up a better security strategy.
0: Yep. Well, um, we're, we're here to, to help our members think through this issue. We appreciate your expertise. And I also, I do want to point out, we, we did mention Zoom a few times. There are I don't know that there's a consumer reports in terms of benefits and around cybersecurity with Zoom and its competitors. I know RingCentral has a, a similar tool. Um, uh, there's GoToMeeting was, was like, has become sort of old school. I don't know where, where we are with that, but it would be interesting to know if, if, and we don't have to do this here, but maybe with the follow-up, if there's a way to compare security features in these video tools, um, and also with some of the asynchronous video tools. Like um, I know like my, in my home, my kid's using Flipgrid. Teacher puts you so they're they're doing video, but it's you know you're just uploading a video essentially, and it's inside of their secure environment. You have to have access to the um, to their to their uh, Google Classroom to get in there. So um, you know I'm wondering if there's you know if there's a way for to help our members kind of compare these tools and learn more about these other options that are out there and how their features are different or the same in terms of security. Uh, we kind of went over here, but this is a really important issue. So I really appreciate your time. Thanks for being with us
4: thank you appreciate it uh tell advance thank y'all cheers there you have
0: it episode 25 i want to thank um trisha shevlin i want to thank jj johnston i want to thank dominic singer i want to thank taylor hersom and uh i want to thank all of our uh iei members who are engaging in this discussion i know um you know, this is this is unprecedented. The challenges that are being put in front of districts right now to, to keep kids safe, just from a cybersecurity perspective, are unlike anything we've seen before. And, you know, um, it's a time for creativity. And it's a time to uh, to think about all angles. And I know everyone's working really hard. And I want to thank everybody out there who's working in a district for everything you're doing to help take care of kids and help try to figure out this new way of teaching and learning, you know, even as we try to come back to school in the fall. We'll see you next time.